all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, here with Michelle McAdoo, and today we're going to talk about divorce, relationships, the effect on children. As you know, um, last week... Uh, in legal terms, uh, there was a lot of good discussion about the effect of custody issues and divorce and that kind of thing. And I thought today would be a good time to go a little bit further and talk about what that can do to children. And, you know, staying in a bad marriage, is that better or worse? We can talk about that as we go along, or staying in a bad relationship. So early in 2020, there were suggestions that the divorce rate was skyrocketing, and the term quarantine breakup was coined. But is that true? Have relationships dissolved more quickly in the last two years? Well, the answer is no, they haven't, actually. So why did that information come out? Um, Maybe it has something to do with the fact that there's sort of a pile-on effect. So... There were anecdotal notes talking about how many, many more people were requesting information on divorce. There were counselors out there who were saying that they were hearing from more individuals about relationship problems. But statistics released um, in 2021, early in 2021, based on five U.S. states, suggest that divorce raised divorce rates have actually decreased during the pandemic. So why in the world was all this data there? And if you Google have divorce rates increased, you will see there are some sites that say, yes, they have. They have not. Now, does that mean after the pandemic is over that they won't go up? I don't know that answer. But You know, I guess what I thought would be interesting to do today is to talk about what's going on right now. Why have divorce rates decreased? Now, they had decreased actually prior to the pandemic. You know, the old data says that about 50 percent of first marriages end in divorce. Well, that rate has dropped to about 39, 38, 39 percent. And um, it seems to be uh, somewhat steady. There are higher divorce rates at certain times of the year. And when the pandemic 
frenzy was happening happening about you know quarantine breakup. Um, it was in March, like I said, early in March of 2020, and um, that's when there seems to be a higher divorce rate for whatever reason. But, you know, the other thing that I thought would be interesting, and many of you may have heard of um, something called the red car effect or the Bader-Meinhof phenomena. The Bader-Meinhof phenomena is something that happens to us when you notice something. And I'll tell you, it happened to me this past weekend over a brand of tennis shoes. I had just bought a pair of tennis shoes on sale, and all, and I'd never heard of the brand. I really hadn't. I was told that it was a very fine, wonderful brand, but it was comfortable to me, so I bought it for half price. Then I was down on the Gulf Coast, and I noticed that brand everywhere I went. So that is the Bader-Meinhof phenomena. What happens is once you become aware of something, then it seems like it is much more common than it really is. So I'm going to put an idea in your head. Um, Do you ever see red cars anymore? Um, You know, there used to be a lot of red cars out there. Now a lot of people are buying lighter colored cars, white cars or gray cars or tan cars. Um, So... Um, think about how many times you've seen a red car. And now that I mentioned looking for red cars, I want to see if you see more red cars than you've ever seen before. I bet you do. And do you know what that is? That's your brain trying to imprint memory and process information. So it's sort of a subliminal suggestion for you to start noticing those kinds of things. So that's the, just FYI, uh, Bader-Meinhof phenomena. And that's probably what happened with the increase in divorce rates um, and the suggestion of that. So, well, let's, let's talk about that. I want to ask you listeners, do you feel like this two and a half years of pandemic have has damaged your relationship, your marriage, or your relationship with your significant other? Or has it perhaps enhanced it and helped it? Um, Do you feel like that it's given you the opportunity to step back and think about what you're doing? And have you decided that, yeah, maybe I was thinking about divorce or breaking up with this individual, but now that I really wasn't allowed to be impulsive, um, I decided it wasn't the right decision? Or are you now more determined to to move forward? I'd, I'd love to hear from you about that. Do you think the pandemic has enhanced or damaged relationships. So give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Now, there is a question out there, and um, Michelle, I'd love to hear from you on, on what you think about this. There's a question out there that perhaps the pandemic has only delayed the number of divorce 
divorces and there's going to be an ex- escalation. And the reason for the delay is that people right now perhaps lost their jobs, haven't been working regularly. Housing, as everybody knows, is uh, difficult to find. Even transportation, if you need a car, a used car or a new car, it's hard to find. So life is a little bit harder. We've started worrying about groceries again, I hear, um, with the flu slash COVID-19 piece coming aboard now with this winter. And um, so is that perhaps delaying reactions out there? What do you think, Michelle? Oh, well, hello, everyone. I can see um, how the pandemic can have an adverse effect on divorce, meaning people are staying together because of resources. It's a business, and they feel like right now is not the best time to leave, um, especially with kids and children um, having to go to court and things like that. Courts, some states, they're not even open. You have to schedule a court time. So it's a little messy and a little uh, more difficult to do anything right now. So a lot of people are just opting out to just stay. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, especially when it comes to kids. How uh, is it being handled in the house? What are the kids seeing and hearing? Is there a lot of more arguing maybe or less we don't know you know how is it affecting the family if you stay and don't want to be there versus going ahead and just opting to get the divorce or get a separation right now a lot of people do stay for just a number of reasons i'd like to hear uh some of our listeners to uh, call us and today we are talking about divorce in a number of areas divorce the effect of key, uh, divorce on children, on mothers and fathers, and the whole nine. So give us a call if you had a successful divorce and you want to tell everyone how you and your <laughs> significant other actually went through that and had a peaceful divorce. Um, but when we say I did air quotes for peaceful because what we we what really want to talk about is the effect it has on the family, stated and unstated. Some right. things are not just uh, clear. Sometimes you don't realize how's, how it is affecting your children, and they may not uh, verbalize that to you. So we're going to talk uh, later on in the show, talk about some things that you can see and, and then open up the conversation with your children about how uh, they feel about the divorce. Yeah, and certainly how how different ages of childhood can be affected Differently, We'll certainly talk about that. As you would expect, a two-year-old might be affected very differently than an adolescent. And um, we'll talk about that as we move along. The other thing I'd love to hear about, Michelle, is from our listeners, if when they were a child, did Mm -hmm. they go through a divorce? And how was that? How did your parents handle things for you? Did you feel like you came out on the other side in a good fashion? So we've got all open lines. Give us a call and join in the conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We're going to go ahead and take our next break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some of the reasons that people stay together. And we'll talk about some of the reasons that might that that might not be a good idea. So we're talking about divorce and the effect on family. 
We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. You already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. Healthcare providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about divorce, an unfortunate thing that um, about now it appears 38, 39% of marriages, first marriages end in divorce. I think everybody knows that second marriages tend to end more frequently, and there's a higher rate of second marriage divorce. Um, During the pandemic, however, divorce rates have not increased. In fact, they've dropped a bit. Also, though, marriage rates dropped. They rebounded a bit um, this past spring, but they've dropped again. And And, oh, by the way, in addition to that, both planned and unplanned pregnancies have also Uh, Dropped. So I think there's just so much going on right now. And I think we need to just keep in mind some of this may be the economic impact, as I mentioned earlier. The resources aren't there. Perhaps people are trying to continue to just stay with the group in which they know, um, not have big gatherings, and are continuing to try to be safe. Weddings are expensive. Um, divorces can be expensive, depending. And then, of course, there's always that concern about change in lifestyle. If you change a relationship, what's going to happen? Um, it's not just a question of lawyers, right? But, you know, two two households cost more than one. Maybe you have a household that is together and you're doing fine with two incomes coming in. But if you separate it out, neither one of the individuals could survive on their present income. Maybe that's a reason. So sometimes people stay together for, for financial reasons and... Sometimes it works um, if done correctly. But let's talk a little bit about some of the terrible negatives of staying in a relationship that is toxic for the family. 
And by toxic, I mean where there there isn't love and, in fact, a lot of animosity, where there is arguing and strife often. Or certainly we know that with the pandemic there has been an increase in domestic violence, too. So that kind of negative relationship that's ongoing is certainly bad. So... Um, Listeners, did you, as a child, go through your parents having a divorce, and how did it go? Was it good? Did they handle it correctly? Was it bad? Did they handle it poorly, and did it cause some um, difficulties for you later, perhaps? Did it make it harder for you to trust in relationships? I want us to talk through the good, the bad, and the ugly about um, divorce and what it can do. Um, and But I'd love for you to join in and give us your stories. I have one of my own, and I'll tell you that in a minute. But um, I'd love to hear from you also. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Um, okay. Let me tell you a little bit about my story. I grew up, uh, some of you know this, if you've been listening for all these many years I've been doing this show, I grew up in a very stable family. Mom and dad loved each other, supported each other a lot. Um, They were definitely a unified team. Um, And my first marriage um, was not like that. We both, he grew up in the same kind of upbringing with a very unified uh, mother-father team. They worked um, very well together and loved each other a lot. That didn't work out in our family, and I won't go into the detail, but I did, we did go through a divorce. Um, the kids were young at the time, and and I want to talk about different ages um, because I know Michelle's family, um, her parents, Michelle, I'll just say, went through a divorce when you were a teenager. So different times, and, and if you are willing, you can talk to us a little bit about that, but I'll talk to you about the situation with my children. Um, at the time... Of our divorce, um, the kids were two, four, and six. They were young, and I was overwhelmed. But I was in a good position so that I could support the family. I didn't worry a lot about um, income. And so I I did. That's not true. I did worry a lot about it because to be able to support the family, I had to work full time and I had three babies. Um, And so trying to do that and make sure they got the proper support was very difficult. I will say the one thing that we did right in all of this was that um, we were determined to um, not fight over the visitation piece. Was it easy? No. Um, Did we have um, disagreements? Yes. Um, Were there times when I felt like he didn't do the right thing? I'm sure there were times when he thought I didn't do the right thing. But 
the bottom line was one thing we resolved is that we would not argue in front of the kids. Um, And I think that is something that I want to make sure as we move through. Were we perfect? No, we were not, I assure you. But why did we, if we disliked each other enough um, and fell out of love enough not to stay married, why were we willing to try to work together? Um, It was because um, I knew all the negative things that can happen in in divorce. And one thing I told him and one thing that I will tell you is that um, children never plan for a divorce, right? They were born into the marriage, um, and they expect to be part of that marriage, right? And so when their fault, no matter what, no matter what anybody thinks or says, and some kids do believe that they maybe even cause the divorce. That's common at certain ages, and we'll talk more about that as we move along. But if you keep in mind that the fault of the marriage dissolving is the couple's not the children, and to make sure that they stay out of it is the most important thing that one can do because arguing and strife over that kind of thing and negative talking and down-talking are the worst things you can do for a child during a divorce and after. All right. We have a caller. Tammy has been uh, is our first caller on the road. Hi, Tammy. Thanks for calling. Hi. How are you? I am doing well. So tell us, do you have a story for us about? Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of just have like, yeah, I do. Um, I divorced, my son was eight years old. Mm -hmm. And we, um, I went to a counselor before and explained to her what was going on even before I, we had had separated and then we got back together. And so I went, I was like, I need for him to understand you know, that this is it. You know, I don't want him thinking the rest of his life that we're going to get to get back together. Right. So, so anyway, we did, we did, and we did all that. And you are so right about, they, they didn't plan to be in the divorce, you know. And the hardest part for me, I mean, I we, we had the same divorce lawyer. Um, it, you know, it was, all, I, I couldn't ask for a more pleasant experience far as that went, but, you know, it, to break your family up, it, no matter what, it just hurts. It does. It is. And I, I don't know about you, Tammy, but, um, you know, even though it was a mutual decision at the time, um, I went through a grief process. I really did. I was so sad that my children did not have growing up what I had. Yeah. And you know, and what, and we agreed that you know I would. I mean, I well, my ex-husband, you know, had to live in uh, in Kansas or in Madison County, and so we lived in Kansas. And you know, I made the decision to only move five miles away so that my, you know, my husband could still see, you know, him as much as he wanted to. Wonderful decision. And, you know, I think that is one of the outstanding recommendations is to allow 
your children to have a robust, frequent visitation if you can work it out. You know, and and certainly if if the the ex spouse is is safe and a good person to be around, but. Um, you know, if it's a situation where you're both good people and you can't live together, then um, allowing good visitation um, and fair visitation and not arguing about it is really important. So how old is your son now, Tammy? He's 25. What do you think he would say to you about the way things went? He, oh, I know he's already told me that, you know, that nobody else, that he... Um, he knows that when through a divorce, he used to bring kids over to my house and say, Mama, can you come in here and sit in the table? You know, so and so is going through a divorce. And their divorces were never as easy as ours, you know. I mean, it was ugly. A lot of them, like, I mean, it, I mean, just be real. A lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he would bring people in, and, I, you know, I won't say that he would, he would like to have been around both of us, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that he probably still wouldn't say, you know, he, he would get back together. I mean, he, he, he's remarried, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's, anyway, he, and we, he went to Camp Academy, and the, we, we switched him in the third grade to my, when we divorced to Madison, and, and he, I mean, he, he, uh, you know, he fit in really well, but he, um, we ended up bringing him back to Canton Academy, but his third grade teacher told me that she would never have believed he was a divorced child. Mm. Uh, but I went through a lot of grief. I went through a lot of biting my tongue and mm-hmm. praying about it, you know. Right. Picking battles and, you know, and not arguing in front of him and, you know, that kind of thing. Because the first time we had an argument, which was a little, just a little one, I saw the look on his face of terror, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, that'll never happen again. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. And, you know, you're you're absolutely right on both sides, biting, biting your tongue sometimes, not saying what you really feel, saving it for later, saving it for a private moment, and and, you know, reminding yourself why you're doing that for the good of the child. And, um, Tammy, you brought something up that um, is sort of a sidebar that you you moved him from one school to, to another. And, you know, sometimes those moves are fine and, and easy, and sometimes they're not. And it depends on the child and, you know, the situation that you're moving to. But what is the biggest, the biggest predictor other than the, the arguing in front of a child and, and causing that chronic stress? The other big predictor is if a child ends up in a different socioeconomic status than they were. So I know this is something I want to bring up, and I'd love to hear from other listeners about this as we move along. But I know a lot of people get into huge arguments about things like child support, who gets the house, whether or not um, the the wife gets the car or not, or who gets what. And, you know, in in my mind, that kind of argument 
um, should not even happen. What should happen is what's right for the children. When children are involved now, I know plenty of divorces happen when they're not children involved, and we can talk about that too. But when children are involved, the to make sure that that child continues to have the kind of life that they had before, at least so that they can continue to attend the school that they were attending, if that's possible, that they can continue to feel safe and secure and stable and like they have what they need. Those are all very important things. So when we'll get back, we'll talk a little bit about age differences and the effects from divorce. I'd love to hear your stories or your questions, perhaps. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. How did divorce affect you? Or how do you think it's affecting your children? This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Parents are a child's first teacher. Children make connections to the growing world around them through back and forth interactions. Parents and other caregivers can help children learn communication and social emotional skills by talking, reading, and singing each day. More information at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Michelle McAdoo, and today we're talking about divorce and the effect on children and the importance of trying to have as much stability as you can move through. I wonder if you think that perhaps the divorce rate has declined, um, and it has declined even before the pandemic. Um, Listeners, I'd like to know what you think about why the divorce rate has declined. Do you think people are more willing to try to work things through? Do you think that from a financial standpoint that perhaps people aren't willing to take the hit? Or do you think that when people get married now, they perhaps step through things a little more carefully than they used to? Or perhaps are people just not getting married like they used to? We do know the marriage rate has declined somewhat. And if so, why do you think that is? What's going on there? So give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Well, I think I have a theory on maybe why a lot of people aren't getting married as much as they used to. This is just my opinion. Um, Maybe back in the day, I'm not going to say your day, any day, I'm talking about way (laughs) back, my grandmother's day. Um, I heard, say my grandmother, I've heard people say uh, if you weren't married by, what, 16, 17, 
we're talking about like 1920s and 30s, then you are old maid. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. So times have changed. Culture has changed. So not being married, getting your own car, having your own house without a husband is not, you know, uh, something new today. Yeah. Women go to college. They get masters and doctorates and they live on their own. And they, a lot of women say now, I, I don't need a man to take care of me. I don't need a man to support me. I don't need, I don't need. And I don't know if that's a lot well, of reason why a lot of women aren't getting married, you know, because some men on the other side, I hear a lot of men say, well, <laughs> we feel like the woman is all really excluding us. They don't need us anymore. They're independent women, this independent women thing. Oh, but wait a <laughs> minute. Wait a minute. Let's talk about this, because I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I think there are plenty of men out there who don't want a woman to need them who they want a partner, somebody who is not relying on them for everything, but who can be a true partner. I wonder. I think they do. I know that that's what my husband, we are we are truly equal partners, and I think our children will tell tell everyone that, that, that we share. We share the housework. We share the finances. We share the children. We truly are partners. I don't rely, I do rely on him to get things off top shelves for me sometimes when I don't feel like climbing on a ladder. Right. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I do, I think having a partner is really good for you. Mm. And so I'm not professing, you know, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, whatever your sexual preference is, having a partner is often found to be good for you. Um, and that you have that emotional support. You have somebody who can share with you. But it's not somebody, quote, quote, taking care of you. Mm-hmm. Um And I do think that people get married later now for a lot of the reasons that you said earlier, Michelle, is that before women weren't taught to learn how to take care of themselves and they were supposed to find somebody to take care of them. Those days hopefully are long gone. I know my daughters, I we worked very hard to to teach them that they needed to learn to take care of themselves and my my father made it very clear. He could have cared less if any of us had ever gotten married. <laughs> he wanted us to be independent and able to take care of themselves. So, listeners, what about what do y'all think about that? Do you think that is probably why the marriage rate dropped? Do you think that there's still people out there who have significant others, but they just haven't seen the need to get married? I'm just wondering. I have a good question for our listeners as well. Did your parents' divorce affect you in relationships in your future, in your relationships? Mm. How did it, your, if your parents got divorced, how did, how does it affect you and how you, um, um, maneuver in relationships? Mm -hmm. Did you get divorced, um, when you were married and do you think, One of the reasons was because your parents got divorced. Uh, Did you know how to love? Did your parents or your images of love when you grew up, did did he teach you how to love? That's a good question. Right. Great question. You know, and, you know, I think that that is something that as we talk through the different ages of how you were affected, 
will certainly have to do not just the age of when your parents divorce, but then the ongoing um, strife or or adjustment, good adjustment that went on. So, for example, you know, infants are obviously not able to understand the concept of divorce, and they're they're, but they do notice changes in environment. So, an infant just needs um, stability and routine, and sufficient contact with a primary care provider who can nurture them, and they can form good attachment to. So even in infancy, if the mother is a custodial parent, the father, to be able to have significant, excellent attachment, needs to be able to see the child often and on a regular basis to have a good, successful attachment. All right. Um, I want to go back to the phones before I go on with that. We have Julie. Julie, where are you? Hi, I'm in Hattiesburg. Hey, thanks for calling. From the um, hub Michelle, city. <laughs> Michelle brought up um, how does divorce affect the children of a divorce. And um, my parents divorced when I was like an adolescent. Um, I'm a young woman in my 20s now. And it affected my personal relationships um, a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I am terrified of commitment. Um, again, I am a young woman, but my longest relationship has been short of a couple years. Um, and... It like, this is something I need to talk to a counselor about, but it has affected my day-to-day life. Like, with my responsibilities, I am very afraid of commitment, like, in jobs, and just I avoid taking big responsibilities because I don't feel like I want to be stuck, which has been harmful to, you know, my career growth mm-hmm. and my social growth and everything. And I really do feel that was because of the instability um, in the home. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of questions, Julie. When um, so you were an adolescent, do you do you remember were were there years of instability in the marriage before the divorce? Did you feel like at some point you recognized that your parents had a bad relationship, or did the divorce was it a surprise to you? Luckily, they kept all their arguments hidden. Or my father um, worked a lot, so, you know, at family dinner, it would be calm. Mm -hmm. But then through the divorce, you know, I dealt with them arguing and fighting my entire uh, teenage years. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it was the most, uh, (laughs) the most strife was um, them fighting about, you know, who stays with who and what are they going to do and Mm -hmm. child support and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that is terrible terrible behavior and I, I know you love your parents so but I will say that one of the worst things that parents can do is put their children in between that kind of negative discussion I bet you felt what we talk about all the time is that old fight or flight phenomena where you just had I bet your heart rate was up your blood pressure was up and you felt anxious every time they tried to interact with each other, right? Definitely. And I'm not going to blame it entirely on the divorce. It's a genetic thing, too, but I am diagnosed with general anxiety. I've got depression. I have got a uh, 
pretty mild bipolar disorder. I've got a whole slew of stuff, and yeah. I definitely don't think my environment helped it at all. No, and we've talked about that. You know, certainly um, many, many individuals out there, a huge percentage, have some um, brain issue, mental health disorder, and it certainly can made, be made better or worse with your surroundings. And um, it can activate more of the the negative hormones and negative feelings. It can also, you know, studies have shown that particularly adolescents can be the most negatively affected by that ongoing argument with relationships and anxiety, depression, um, withdrawal, by the way, from relationships also is another sort of subsequent problem that can occur. And then, of course, alcohol and drug use. So, um, Julie, you sound like an individual who's got it together. You mentioned no, that <laughs> you, you mentioned, though, that you feel like you you might need counseling and and I think that that would be an excellent thing for you to do so you can work on making sure that you can learn how to trust a relationship if how you can look at objectively you mentioned job for example look objectively at a job offer and look at what it's offering you and if it offers you stability and, you know, good financial abilities and and some benefits out there, then walking away from something like that might be a terrible decision for you in the long run. And so I would really encourage you to, to reach out. There are plenty of good adult counselors out there who can help you through this and how you, what you need to do to start trusting in a relationship and leave that, that past behind you. I really appreciate that advice. I just moved to Hattiesburg, so I'm on the hunt to find um, a stable situation, uh, therapy and counseling-wise. And it is uh, it's a daunting task, but I am doing it as we speak, which is very good. I'm on some waiting lists. Well, good for you. But listening, I do need to say, young person or adult, even if you think that you are in perfect mental health, your life is going fine, you would benefit from any sort of therapy or counseling. Everyone does. I think everyone does. You know, just we've talked a lot about just some techniques for, for example, before you're entering something that may be a bit anxiety provoking, how to work on calming yourself, um, to prepare for a job interview, how to put your best foot forward. There's so many things that counseling can help you with if you if you allow it. And many times we're not talking about, you know, there have been some, the Bob Newhart show many years ago where people went to counseling for years and years and years. Typically a good counselor if you if you set up appropriate goals and objectives for the counseling, you can take care of what you need to take care of if you follow the direction 
and the counseling within somewhere between 8 and 12 sessions. You don't need a lifetime of counseling, but some will be helpful. So, Julie, good luck. I know there's some great counselors um, in Hattiesburg, so hopefully you can connect with one soon. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Well, thanks for calling. All right, um, Michelle, I think we'll go to our final break. And when we come back, we still have open lines. Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. We have time for more calls. Let's talk about what, what has divorce done to you? Or perhaps how you have managed to come out on the other end in a positive fashion. Love to hear your story. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Children grow and change so fast, it's important to help them build the strong foundations they need to help develop lifelong skills and succeed in school. Whether it's singing songs in the car or counting steps while walking to the mailbox, there are many ways to help young children learn new skills and reach new developmental milestones. Even before they can talk, babies can make connections and respond to adults' words, sounds, and facial expressions by clapping, waving, or smiling back at them. Not only is it fun, but it's important to talk, read, and sing with children. More at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Michelle McAdoo. We're talking about the effect of divorce on children particularly. Um, But we've had a couple of great callers who have called in. And our last caller, Julie, we talked about what that, what divorce, if not handled properly, can do to an adult and their feeling about relationships. So, Michelle, I think you had something you wanted to say. Yes, it's funny. Julie um, had the opposite reaction or opposite effect of her parents' divorce on her. With me, it causes me to stay in things that I don't need to, to stay in. Mm. I When my parents got divorced, I was in the 10th grade. I was in high school. And Dr. Buttress, you work with children all the time. So, you know, at that age, at 15, I'm already dealing with uh, regular teenage insecurities and things exactly. like that. Yeah. And so uh, when I, my parents got divorced, I felt like my world shattered into mm-hmm. a million pieces. So I felt alone and unloved and what we talked off air is, of course, my parents did not purposefully do that. You know, they weren't saying we want my child, our child to feel this way, but it happened. And it felt like I was screaming and yeah. no one heard. No me. one heard. No one listened because they were so consumed uh, with their with their own, own lives. Yes. Yeah. And their own emotional issue. And and 
sadly, that is what happens to many children. And we were talking about it um, during the break that so many times parents forget to ask their children, how are you doing with this? Um, I wonder, listeners, those of you who perhaps are going through this right now or have been through it and are still struggling, have you turned and looked at your children and said, how are you doing? Are you okay? Tell me what your feelings are. Now, I can say this to my father, Larry McAdoo. uh, He was a great dad. He did. uh, I did go to counseling. But for all of the parents that are listening out there, I was a teenager, and we are manipulative at that age. (laughs) So when I went to counseling, I told the counselor exactly what I wanted her to know, and that was it. Yeah. I didn't go, I I did surface. I didn't go deeper. So in her mind, which, interesting enough, in my, in graduate school, I wrote a letter to myself. I wrote a story to myself as if I was counseling my teenage self. Yeah. And if I can go back and do that again, because I told her what I wanted her to know. But to me, I don't think she dug deep enough she took that of what i said for face value and my father told me exactly what she said michelle's a very intelligent child and she's going to be okay but i was not okay i was pretending to be okay and that that is very typical and many times teenagers are very resistant to counseling and that's why it's very important to really vet the counselors that your children are seeing and making sure that they're well versed in counseling they really understand um, how to approach a teenager and how to to really drill down to what's what's really going on I, yeah I just want to remind our listeners that school age children really um are amazing they're they're bright many times they comprehend the permanency of divorce but many times they blame themselves for the dissolution of the marriage and and many times they continue to feel bad about what happened perhaps maybe a parent a father or a mother Whoever is not the primary custodian is an individual who separates out because they can't deal with the emotion of all of it. But you know what that does? If you separate yourself out and you don't visit as often as you say you are, what happens is that child feels like they are the reason that you are not coming around. They don't process through that it's that former partner that you don't want to be around. They process it through that it is they are the ones. So make sure that you don't do that to someone. Make sure that if you're going through the desolation of a marriage that you think about the child and put them first. Put them before your own feeling. That's the most important thing. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you want to listen to this show again or any other podcast, you can listen to the podcast app on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and Engineered And call screener was Michelle McAdoo today. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.